I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Back in the building. Let's try that again. That's <laughs> I just don't want it to sound so samey. Every single week, I'm introducing myself as Michael Morgan. I then introduce you. They know who we are. They know why they're here. They know it's called the Wocast. Let's just get on with the show. But you know something? I think we need to kind of like pull up. Pull right up. To all the listeners who helped me wish you a majestic and happy birthday over the weekend, I just wanted to say publicly again in front of all the uh, assembled listeners, happy, fantastic birthday to you. 21 again. How was it? What did you get up to? Tell me all the, all the details, all the juicy details. What was her name? <laughs> Maybe not all the details, but shit. <laughs> um, I had a great birthday, and thank you for the shout-out. Yes. Um, man, I had a birthday like a regular MMA head, man. I watched the fights. Nice. I tried to. I tried to. I was distracted. I also ate a lot of steak, a lot of mm. cake, and had wonderful company, so... Last night is a bit of a blur, but I'm here. I'm ready to talk about it, and it's all love. I'm, I'm happy to be blessed to live another year. I'm what happy. was your drink of choice over the weekend? What, 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 what actually, when you order drinks, G, what do you order? Well, if I'm out and about, I like whiskey, so I'll drink whiskey straight. Okay. Or I have like an old-fashioned. But last night I had champagne. It's my birthday, Nice. Mm. Yeah, you had to do it right. Wicked. Any nice yes. presents? Yeah, yeah. We'll have to talk about that, you know, like off the air. But yeah, definitely. Oh, <laughs> some okay. Nice, some oh, nice okay. presents. Uh, hold on a sec. Does it make this noise? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> you tried it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's, let's crack on with the show before you crack open my head. <laughs> right? <laughs> that shit was funny, though. <laughs> Over the weekend, I have to say, we were spoiled. Spoiled more on the um, boxing front, okay. We do look at primarily MMA, but I think it'd be kind of remiss of me not just to mention or not to mention uh, a few notables which took place over the past weekend. For us in the UK, Joe Joyce and Daniel Dubois are two or were two unbeaten names, massive in the heavyweight um, category and um, you know destined to do massive things and it's not often in boxing that you get what you want what you've been clamoring for what you've been asking for as a fan now as a casual when it comes to boxing I do dip in and dip out this actually piqued my interest Jay Joyce for me I said it at the beginning of the week I called it at the beginning of the week I knew I felt given that he basically as an Olympian and he basically, as somebody who has a repertoire in terms of opponents, which are worthy and, um, you know, in terms of battle-tested, Joe Joyce, mm -hmm. I 
always knew would like um, be coming out on top. So it wasn't any surprise when he stopped Daniel Dubois in the later rounds. Um, and what was surprising, though, uh, for some people was the fact that Daniel Dubois, his eye was so badly damaged, I think it was his left eye, was so dam- badly damaged, that this is rare that you see this in, in boxing. He took a knee and basically said the fight that. was over. Yeah. Wow. Now, that's rare. It's very, very rare. But, you know, I, I was a little bit pissed off by people's reactions to this because I really do feel that if somebody can't see out of one of their eyes, why are they actually, well... <laughs> soldiering on with the view that you know they are there almost like a court jester to entertain people no they're also there to look after their health to make sure that they can have a comeback now for me i was a little bit kind of like upset with people on um social media basically Mm -hmm. decrying the fact that he actually took a knee and you know a lot of people using the word that he quit i mean what what do you make of this i know you know you, you are just like myself um, you know, not this isn't like your staple diet, but quitting, I wouldn't equate that to quitting. I would say that's smart business practice, no? I don't look, I don't frown upon it. And it, even though I missed this fight, I saw the highlight and I saw the eye and I saw him take a knee. And I remember thinking like, wow, like they're going to eat him alive online. But me personally, Gina, I didn't have a problem with it because I'm like, it, it really hurts to get beat up. <laughs> in a boxing ring and he's at a disadvantage i mean Mm. one eye is closed you know like i don't fault him for that at all i mean what's he gonna do with one eye just go out there and get beat up some more no i I didn't frown upon it but mike i kind of had a feeling they were gonna drag him online for it are people being assholes oh definitely i mean that's the online community for you and um you know in, in in a certain respect I'm glad it's not just peculiar to, you know, mixed martial arts and the mixed martial arts uh, crowd MMA Twitter where you get the assholes where you've got people who haven't got a clue or eating Cheetos while they're actually typing away because some of the kind of like vitriol, some of the words, some of the kind of like uh, quote unquote bants that I saw online was truly sickening. But moving on, um, Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson. Um People probably wondering why we're putting so much store, putting um, this in terms of conversation into um, this podcast. Well, there's two things. One, it's notable combat sports that happened over the weekend. You couldn't escape this on any medium. But two, the numbers they drew were astronomical. I mean, Jake Paul is a YouTube phenom, and it would be hard to miss this out in terms of conversation, especially, you know, we are talking about things that we love to see, things that we love to take in, a spectacular knockout, and especially so quickly into the rounds. We're talking like second round stoppage. I mean, he was stopped twice as far as I'm concerned. The first time that he was put flat out on his stomach, Nate Robinson could have actually called it a day there. But, you know, soldier that he is, he got up and um, got knocked down promptly. Hold up, but hold up. Mm. Soldier that he is. Aren't these two people not even like boxers? <laughs> Who are these people? Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't keep up with this at all, except for like a random gif or whatever shows up on my timeline i'll pay none of this youtube shit no mind mm. who are these people nate robinson is a uh, i think he's a basketball player but the fact is um oh. why i call him a soldier for somebody whose chosen vocation isn't boxing to mm. get up and take that type of punishment again that is a soldier jake paul has boxed before but no he's not 
in the um, scheme of things an accomplished boxer he is his chosen vocation is a youtuber which he's making um, very good peas out of he's making uh, a really good living I mean he's a multi-millionaire now the fact is this though it was entertaining and it was entertaining in a sort of like weekend where I think we we're kind of skimpy as we were going to get onto in a minute when we delve into the um, the Anthony Smith and um, <laughs> Devin Clark fight. Uh, it was kind of like low on star power. But finally, I just wanted yeah. to uh, have a nod, have a tip of the hat to the old veterans doing it again, Mike Tyson and... Blimey, I can't even believe that, you know, the, these two got in the ring. That but just happened, right? Yeah. <laughs> Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., at their big age, where we're, they're pushing 50 and change, got in the ring and, you know, for one of a, of a better expression, had an exhibition match. There's no one that can tell me that um, Mike Tyson read his contract and read the, the fine print because he looked like, in all intents and purposes like he was trying to knock out Roy Jones Jr whereas Roy Jones Jr yeah he looked like he was in there having a bit of fun a little bit of sparring a little bit of a little bit of exchange of um you know leather but no Mike Tyson looked um, wanted blood yeah Mike Tyson Tyson was was gonna Mike Tyson but Mm -hmm. moving swiftly on I mean the main course of the night, obviously, was UFC Fight Night Smith versus Clark. Now, in usual fashion, you're going to pick two, I'm going to pick two, um, in terms of the prelims and what we actually uh, we saw there. But we obviously had a main event change there because Smith versus oh, yeah. Clark was originally the co-main event. The original main event, Derek Lewis's, Derek Lewis sorry, versus Curtis Blade, um, was scrapped due to... Um, Curtis Blade actually testing positive for COVID-19. Now, just before I go on, let me just pause here. I keep saying this week in, week out. It's commendable that Dana White is putting together these matchups in the midst of a pandemic. It's commendable, given the short notice um, arrangements for many of these fights, that these fights are actually taking place. It's also commendable that he's continuing to soldier on, given how many COVID-19 issues are coming up. Now, am I in need of being reined in here, given how prevalent COVID-19 seems to be in terms of the narrative for these fights? It seems like, without fail, week in, week out, COVID-19 rears its ugly head and is forming part of the narrative. Is it time really to take stock? Is it time that we kind of like looked at the whole business of the MMA community baying for uh, entertainment week in, week out? Because here we have another scenario where Curtis Blades is actually, um, well, taken off the card due to COVID-19. What do you think? Um, I can I can understand your excitement and your just you know, how you're explaining things as far as, like, being happy to have these cards back-to-back. But I do think, like, we still need to throw some, um, 
what's that saying, air to caution or something like that. We still need to be cautious with all these late fight replacements mm. and yada, 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 because it's like, what happens when the fighter does catch it and they get sick? Like, look at Cody Garbrandt, who is now dealing with um, blood clots and having like serious long-term effects. And then on top of it, Dana recently just made some controversial top, you know, statements that kind of had me like, yeesh. Like he was like, oh, COVID is like the flu and the cold. We're all going to get it. Everybody yeah. eventually is going to get it. And I just Almost downplaying thinking, it. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I, I tweeted like, wow, if my boss where I work said that, I would be scared. Mm. <laughs> Even if my boss was taking the proper protocols, it's just a, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't feel so valued if my boss said that. So it's just, I'm just a little concerned with what happens with afterwards when they catch it. Also, too, I find that the Apex is having a lot more cancellations versus Abu Dhabi. So are we looking at, is it is it the problem, is the problem with the U.S. with having a lot of COVID or can the UFC do a little bit better job of protecting the fighters? Like, I still have questions. Mm. And I appreciate the fights coming together. But let's also not forget that this is also contractual to ESPN. It's not really for us. I'm grateful for it. But it's like Dana does have a contract to, you know, abide to. So we're getting a lot of shitty cards too. Like you can look at it at a different angle, I think. And that's just it. It's not being spoken about in great volume or great depth or even great yeah. detail. The long-term effects. Having recovered quote-unquote recovered from um, being diagnosed with COVID-19, you know, people aren't actually on the mend. If anything, it's uh, symptomatic of long COVID to have brain fog, to have blood clots, to have general malaise and confusion and ongoing health issues. But the way in which Dana White sort of like brushed that under the carpet was deeply worrying because it made me feel as though as an employer, as somebody who I feel does have a duty of care, there was no duty of care in the way that he was casually just making the scene as though it was akin to just, you know, a little bit of bit of a cold, bit of flu. Yeah, it, it's just... It just concerns me when someone who is running COVID protocols and and, try, and his responsibility is to keep these fighters safe, although he's doing a decent job of it so far, it's just that to have that kind of attitude is concerning because we all know that as, that is a denial of science. We all know that this is killing people far more than the flu or the cold and scientists and all the evidence backs that up. So it's scary for him to be peddling that misinformation. And then at the same time, running you know an industry during a pandemic i don't know i'm a little concerned and if you notice like a lot of the fighters that fight in the u.s at the apex that's where most of the cancellations are yeah you know? and also too this is not the only organization that is running sports or games during covid the nba really doesn't have this problem so i wonder what their protocols are and how did they tighten things up in comparison to the ufc so be grateful that he can put these fights together but also keep asking questions keep trying to keep the fighters safe at the same time but also appreciate the fact that we're watching fighting yeah exactly exactly but you know speaking of keeping fighters safe we did actually see a uh, a wide complement of fighters in various weight categories um, gracing the... It looked like a tiny octagon yesterday. Or was it just me? It looked like smaller than usual. 
how it looked like. Um, it's, it's we're back at the apex. I think it is smaller than the other. Don't hold me to it, but I think it was. It's a smaller octagon at the oh, apex. Yeah. But I'm unsure. Maybe we're just spoiled by Abu Dhabi. We seem to be having better fights and better protocols there. So maybe we're biased. Mm. But um, for me, the first one I want to bring to the table was uh, Malcolm quote-unquote ex Gordon and um, Sue Mudage. now I'm gonna tell you know my bias up front in that Mm -hmm. when I was growing up um, I looked to Malcolm X as a hero not the uh, white people are devils Malcolm X the El Hajj Malik El Shabazz Malcolm X Mm -hmm. um, who had a more um, tolerant view in that yes he was pro-black but you know he also acknowledged that, you know, looking at uh, white people as devils wasn't the way forward. But I like the way in which he had a do for self mentality. I like the way that he had a, you know what, instead of begging for crumbs off other people's tables, let's just make a table for ourselves. So I was duly um, well behind. And I know it's not very pro to say this profession to say this. I was well behind Malcolm X Gordon. But this is the <laughs> second time my man has let me down because, you know, the way that I looked at things, Mudaje assassinated Malcolm X for the second time <laughs> in his professional uh, UFC career yeah. with an accurate left that that straight down the pipe, basically onslaught. It made me think as though this was like done from a sniper rifle. Yeah. For me, I really do feel, you know, for me, Sue Daje or Sue uh, Mudaje is definitely one to watch. He looked like a killer out there. He made a case, I feel. This is another reason why. You know, think about um, doing away with the flyways. is such a dumb decision. Ain't it stupid? I mean, when you see this going down, I was really entertained by this. Now, I know this card was light on Star Power, but it's fights like these that do make me close my mouth and say... You know what? Judge the fights yep. after the fights have actually what gone down because I thoroughly enjoyed this. How about yourself? What did you make of it? No, I enjoyed this and I'm all for what this talk about, you know, scrapping the flyweight division is just utterly ridiculous. Mm. I don't know what's going on, but I, I feel like we're seeing a tide turn. People are starting to like appreciate them because these these folks come out here and they're capable of putting people down just as hard as like a heavyweight, maybe, but just faster and I don't know. I find the division exciting. I always did, even when DJ was there. But, yo, this Malcolm X here, by any means necessary, (laughs) does not apply to this version of Malcolm X, Mike. Yo, for real. Um, In his first fight against Amir Abazi, he was, um, you know, submitted quickly in in the first round, you know, submission triangle. Then he comes out here against this dude. And boom, it looked like he just fell apart. That, Mm. That straight left just shut him down. And it's almost like he threw his body on the ground it's like he had this really weird reaction to getting beat up it just i don't want to say he quit but he he didn't react well to being hit at all it looked like he had not sparred in a while and when he got that first shot he just fell apart and i don't really know if we're gonna see you know malcolm x again in the (laughs) ufc we shall see you know they need filler nowadays you know with these contracts and and we're having all these late replacements maybe he'll get another lucky shot but I don't know. Kudos to um, 
to Sue's performance, though, and I like that he's a tall flyweight. His uh, length should be interesting as he goes through the ranks and, and starts fighting other flyweights in the UFC. I look forward to seeing him fight some more. I like the way he picked him apart. It was methodical. The in-and-out movement was um, a beauty to see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, usually I, I hand over to you so that you can actually um, give me your pick. <laughs> but because these two are so close together, I'm going to like plow forward with my second offering, which is Gina uh, Marzani uh, versus Rachel Ostovich. Now, first off, I, I know that Rachel, for some reason, in the run up to this, was getting a lot of talk online. Let's just pause the talk on Osterine. But it was about her looks. I know that a lot of people uh, were very... Uh, opinionated about her looks. What was that about? You're closer to, you know, the toings and throwings on MMA Twitter. What was the whole thing about her looks? I was just as confused as you because maybe I'm too much of a purist, but I don't really care about her looks. Like, (laughs) I watch this to see people fight, and it's like, I get that some people find her attractive, and I also get that some people don't find her attractive. So Mm. when I saw the two sides beefing, and stuff. I was like, this is kind of silly. Why aren't we beefing over the fact that one, she could be cut? Ain't nobody gonna see her pretty ass or or her non pretty ass anymore if she keeps this up. That's one. And two, like, let's remember this is a sport we watch for fighting. Like, I don't care if somebody thinks she's pretty or she doesn't. That's just yeah. like a side conversation. Let's get back to her skill set and 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 the fact that Gina Mazzani is, you know debuting at this weight class and she's tough and Rachel had her hands full and we and we saw that in this fight you know I I don't know but I did think the whole controversy was strange you know at one point Mike I saw people like if you don't think she's cute it's because like you ain't never bagged a chick this pretty and you're probably at home eating Cheetos and shit and then the other (laughs) side was like oh I can't say that I don't think she's cute oh that means I ain't never bagged nobody I was nuts I was like the fuck am I reading this is corny but I don't know. She's got fans from all <laughs> spectrums of the fan base, I guess. What do you think it of was, the fight? Well, it was intriguing. It was interesting, you know, the conversation. But, you know, before we even get to the fights, what I thought was really interesting was the way that, um, well, the commentary team were kind of like awkwardly dancing around the fact that Rachel was actually... Uh, um, away because of the Osterine um, that was found to be in her system. Uh-huh. Now, the, the awkward absence of explaining why this was, was a little bit kind of like weird because they were trying to pass it off as, I mean, this is literally what they were saying. Mm-hmm. She wanted to attend to injuries and that's why she'd been out of action, which was just like a blatant lie. It made me think, are you guys being serious with this? But cutting to the chase in terms they of... They said that, Mike? It words to that effect. Yes, injuries wow. is what uh, she was attending to, and that's why she'd been out. That was the inference. Now, they didn't say the words, the reason why she has been out of the ring or out of the cage for such a long time is because of that. But they put those two strings in terms of conversations together. She has been out of action for a while, and uh, it's allowed her to attend to injuries, which have been long-term and nagging. <laughs> but... For me, Marzani is swarming and hunting for that sub real early. You could see it. You could just mm. see it being set up. But I like the fact that, you know, Rachel Ostovich showed some real heart there, some real flexibility as well. You see what she did in a second. She's on bottom, and all of a sudden, she kind of, like, plied her way, like, almost like in an elasticity in terms of... I've never seen it before, um, 
done in a professional setting like that. But she kind of like <laughs> moved her torso um, from underneath uh, Marzani to the point where she had actually, you know, secured top position. And that was that was from bottom. It, it, it looked beautiful. It looked great. Yeah, I, I, I did notice that reversal. And I remember being like, holy shit, what did yeah. you see? Mm. <laughs> Which was pretty slick. And it goes to show me that, like, that's something, like, she works on. You know, like, you are training your ass off, young lady. But I also noticed, too, that she could work on really being, like, a really good counter striker. Like, I yeah. like some of the counter shots that she landed. And she plants her feet. And she's tough as hell. Mm. But... Big up to Gina Mazzani for coming to this, you know, this division like this and putting on such a show. I thought she did had like a complete performance. I underrated tapes. Underrated yeah, underrated tapes. You saw what they did to um, Rachel's liver. Like she was out. Twice in the third. That that first, I'm sure I'm surprised she recovered from that because that was direct pinpoint accuracy to the liver. And stepping into that again, man. But I don't know about you. I can't see Rachel lasting in the UFC. I mean, that's three now, three losses in a row. I've got it in the back of my head. I've got this kind of like unsubstantiated notion that they wanted to do something in Hawaii. They wanted to do something like big in 2021. And she featured in, in their plans because it just seemed like she was getting a lot of attention and she's getting a lot of love from the UFC. I don't know. Maybe I'm out of pocket for that. No, you're not out of pocket. Like, look what we see online. I mean, debates about her looks. You know, mm. um, there are people dedicated to just like all of her, you know, her content online that makes her to be somewhat of a sex symbol, which I don't mind. I'm not speaking poorly of her, and I think she's beautiful. Mm. But she has a fan base, and I think she gets another shot as well, which is just, you know, it's unfair because it's like we watch this for fighting, and I just don't think she is UFC caliber. But she's nah. gonna get a she's gonna get another shot probably because you you know, she has a lot of eyes on her. She might. I mean, she has a lot of eyes on her. A lot of people talk about her, and we know that the UFC. You know, if you can bring seats, you know, if you can sell seats, you get people talking about you. There's a chance that she might get like a one more fight, like a gimme fight, you know, Mm -hmm. on the prelims. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she gets cut. But if she gets cut, it'd be good for her. I think she needs to hit the regional circuit and and just, you know, work on something. She definitely has potential. But Gina was the better fighter. And also, too, um, Gina was stacked, boy. She had all those um, muscles. Her abs was popping. And I I wonder, too, if she was somewhat hesitant to finish the job so that she wouldn't burn out or cardio-wise. I felt like, yeah, I felt like she could have finished Rachel or she seemed not gun shy, but like, I don't know. I wonder if she struggles with cardio or or something like that because I just seemed, she seemed hesitant. And I also saw that as well with, um, Another young lady, um, Norma Dumont. I wondered if both these ladies were worried about blowing their blowing their load, like we talked about last <laughs> last week. But <laughs> we'll get to that. But Gina's performance was flawless, and Rachel's just one tough cookie, man. Mm, mm, now I'm yeah. with you there. So over to you. What are the two that floated your boat uh, over the past weekend? I like the catchweight bout that um, we opened up the card with. Luke oh, Sanders okay. hurt. Nate Manis and the reason why I like this fight is because it's like it was like a smart comeback fight on Nate's behalf and I Mm. thought he was calm 
he was cool. I love saying calm, cool, collective. I say it like every week, but that's how his performance was <laughs> because Luke Sanders came out and he went straight for him, tried to bully him. And then yeah. there were times where he was successful with that bullying because he would put his back against the fence with punches. And you could tell Luke wanted that headshot. He was planting his feet and you could tell he was like, I think I can knock this guy out. Mm. But Nate was like, you know what? Let me stick and move. Let me not go straight back defensively. Let me angle off, circle out and avoid these shots and counter. And because of his like the way he faced adversity with Luke coming at him, he was able to get an opening with this beautiful left hand. And then he followed with a right hand that sent Luke sprawling in the second round. And then from there, he jumped on his back, had the comeback, beat on him and then choked him out. And I was like, what a fucking comeback. What a what a great way to stay calm. What a great way to just like figure out your opponent first and then come back and beat his ass. You know, Luke was in a rush for that headshot. Nate was calm, figured things out, and came back for the win. I was impressed. And I thought of you, Michael. Nate called out uh, Nathaniel Wood after the yeah, fight, and I think yeah. that's a good fight. Yeah, very good fight. And um, yeah. Nate versus Nate, I think the, the loser should change his first name. That'd be pretty dope, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to call yourself Bill if you lose. Right, right, right. That'd be, that'd be hilarious. But, you know, <laughs> Nate is, uh, Nathaniel Wood is coming off that loss that he had, mm-hmm. and it was a close barn burn. I forget his opponent's name, but a contender series pup that was no joke. And I think he, he matches up well with Nate Menace. I think that would be an exciting fight, and I hope they do it. Yeah, same here. I, I just hope that, um, you know, a, a lot of what we saw um, to do or around Nathaniel Wood, I just hope that he's taking his time to actually fix it up. I mean, speaking of Nathaniel Wood, what was really mm-hmm. interesting, I know he's going off at a tangent, what was really interesting was a recent tweet of his which said something along the lines of, um, if um, you want to make it in MMA or um, in, in, in combat sports, uh, be prepared to be broke for a, a, a while. And I'm thinking, rah, but he, didn't he pick up like three paychecks this year? Or am I wrong here? Yeah, I mean, that's such a scary quote. Like, what's up? Yeah. Like, that like kind of knocked me on my ass. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what it's like to, to, to live off of like, random sporadic pay even Mm. though like someone might have gotten paid or had three fights this year who knows what you know you got to pay the team you got to pay the coach you got to pay for this this and that by the time you're left with everything maybe it's not that much money you know so I don't know but wow that quote really put me on my ass Mike (laughs) can you imagine fighting three times a year or or as many times and still being broke yeah very interesting but then again when you think about it in terms of um stateside tax it's vicious man you guys Mm -hmm. to get taxed i'm sure it's something like 40 or even 50 percent it's something ridiculously high isn't it yeah i forget what it is exactly but i'm we're just so used to it like and don't you and then if you don't report the taxes and they come for them shits later mike for man it's over for you you will be robbed. Like the the government doesn't play with their money and their taxes. That, that you notice in our elections, taxing and taxes going up or down is always a big part of our political platforms in yeah. America. Because taxes ain't no joke, brother. Wow, wow. Yeah. What's your second one that you bring into the table? 
Well, um, our featured prelim bout, which was Martin Day versus Anderson Dos Santos, I love this fight so much because Martin Day was the taller fighter, the lengthier fighter, longer limb fighter, the taller fighter, and yet Anderson Dos Santos impressively was able to get in on range and cut that distance off immediately, and he figured mm. that out very quickly. And again, bullied this guy, was in full... Um, control stayed in his face and was landing some hard shots when he finally got that you know range down packed and then boom you know he takes um martin down to the ground he's controlling him da 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 martin gets up what does he do he makes a rookie mistake and he goes in emotionally and takes the black belt in jujitsu down <laughs> and learns very quickly not to leave his neck out and gets submitted Basically, he got excited, Mike. You know what I mean? He wanted that get back. Like, oh, word, you want to take me down on the ground? The moment yeah. he got up, he was like, I'm taking you down on the ground, <laughs> motherfucker. And I love that attitude. I would like to think that if I was a fighter, I would probably fight emotionally like that. So when I saw him return the favor, I was kind of like, at a boy. But then I was like, <laughs> fuck, this is professional fighting. You made a huge mistake. Yeah. Anderson Dos Santos is a black belt. And you saw what happened. That guillotine was perfect. It was tight, and Anderson pulled it off with no problem. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, honey. Mm. Like, it was over. And I know Martin Day got up and was like, man, I'm living with regrets right now. Poor kid. But hopefully he learned from that, and Anderson, of course, will move on. But I liked the fight. I enjoyed it. I, I know we're just about to move into the main card, but I know we said at the, you know, the, the, the top of this that it was uh, light on star power. But did you get a sense, like, you know, looking at the feed in terms of MMA Twitter, that people, like, sort of, like, come around? Or is it just me and you? Are we in our own little bubble that we come around and say, oh, okay, I'll hold my hands up. I got it wrong. That This card was actually decent in terms of what we saw. Do you get the feeling that, you know, people on MMA or MMA Twitter does actually acknowledge when they've been wrong about a card? Um, I don't... I don't mm, I feel like MMA Twitter doesn't really appreciate um, like what you said in the beginning of this show about how we're getting card after card yeah and um, I think the people that appreciate card after card and still complain about it like I tweeted about this are the purists like me and you like we know there's no name value in some of these cards but we know that anything can happen because this is fighting you know, and, and, and two no-names can have, like, a fight of the year or a knockout of the year. So I do appreciate these cards and whatnot, but I think it takes a special fan to do so. Because, Mike, I yeah. did see a lot of people, like, I'm not watching this shit. And I was shocked because mm. I'm like, I don't care if, if Dana puts bums in there, like homeless homeless fights or cats. <laughs> I watch. You know, I watch MMA particularly. Like, for instance, Mike, if the UFC was not on, I would have watched a different organization. UFC is my favorite organization to watch, but when that's not on, I hop on Glory, I hop on whatever. If I'm up and it's not some weird international time, I'm watching it. Mm. So when I saw fans like, this card sucks, and then I'm not watching it, I was like, are y'all fans for real? It's fighting, it's violence. Like, what's going on? I don't yeah, know. Well, it might just be me and you, Mike, that really just love this shit and will watch anything. Or that MMA Twitter is suitably spoiled. Because if you think about it, throughout the pandemic, week in, week out, they've been spoiled, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, spoiled. I mean, that's, and then too, you gotta, uh, let me play devil's advocate. I do understand fans that also need to take a break sometimes. Mm. As much as I enjoy these fights, sometimes when the UFC oversaturates us with like these cards or they're not always the best cards, some of the output is bad. Like I've definitely seen some prelims where I'm like, that sucked or a main card that sucked because of the, caliber of opponents or you know too many contender series pups in there and you're just like oh my god the quality of the fights have gone down but a true fan might will watch anything but i do get it i i understand it i mean a couple weeks ago mike i kept talking about my own mma malaise even though i was still watching it i was like man i'm getting tired of these mismatches you know no no I, i remember i remember you saying I remember you Let saying. me ask you a question. Mm. Um, I seem to be the one that be that gets MMA depressed more than you. What um, what depresses you about MMA? Is it the oversaturation of the cards, the no names? Like, what is something that annoys you? Oh shit! Shit questions at um, media events that really does grind my gears. The sport really? itself, I have to say. Nothing really pisses me off, annoys me, or kind of like grinds my gears about it. But what I what I do hate, what I detest, is basically lazy journalism and softballing and I suppose cookie cutter questions. I get it. Sometimes you have an off day. I mean, I, I remember once in a um, in a press conference, I had an off day. I get it. Mm-hmm. It happens to the best of us. But week in week out these same cookie cutter questions i get off days i get sometimes you're not on your game but if that is what you're known for softball questions then why are you in the sport calling yourself a journalist when in fact you just glorify pr so yeah that annoys me about the sport that really does get me down sometimes wow interesting so i Post-conference fights are probably just not your favorite part of the pre. night if you stay up late. Pre, pre. and post, yeah. yeah. My, 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 the one that I really do have an ongoing problem with. Tell me about your camp. How was your? Uh, how, I hate how was the? Question. How was the run up to this? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I can't abide by it. I really can't. Yeah, I, I um, you know me, Mike. When I'm there, I'm asking the craziest shit. Like, I, I just want to know the things. I want to know the little nuances mm. and the facets of fighting, not necessarily the same shit. I don't care about camp. Isn't camp is probably the same shit all the time? You have some lingering injury. You hungry. You got to train. It's not the best time. It's not something really. Fighters don't even seem enthused to talk about it. It's work. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So asking things which, you know left field things that they don't get asked things that you know as you say and that you know we i know we're on the same page of this you and i are nosy so we are going to probe a little bit deeper but yeah i I think other people could do exactly the same thing but moving on to the main card Mm -hmm. um what did you make of jonathan pierce and kai kamaka and thank you for bringing kai kamaka to my attention it's because of you that I was so keen to see him and what he could do, um, well, second time around. Oh, you're welcome. I just like this kid's fighting style. I don't mm. know why. I just like that he's uh, tenacious. He, 
He's tenacious, he's technical, and although he doesn't have like, I don't think he has like knockout power, but he just mixes things up so well yes. and stays in everybody's face, and I just, he's technically sound. I don't know, It's for me it's eye-pleasing, but I kind of underrated Jonathan Pierce's toughness. I picked Kai to win, but I forgot that Jonathan was going to use his like size advantage. He was stronger and bigger, and that's what we saw, and he mixed mm. it up. He kept things a little dirty, and finally he got that KO. He know, he... He dominated, got on the guy's back, flattened him out, beat him up. Yeah. You know, and even though Kai put up a good fight and, you know, he had some beautiful counters and, and, and he mixed things up as well, too, Jonathan was too much for him. And it showed, I should have picked him. I should have known. He's a tough kid. What yeah. you think? I still put Kamako as one to watch. I love watching him. Me too. I think yeah. you uh, picked him, and I, 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 I commend you for that because I wouldn't have seen his prowess unless you actually pointed him out. But. Um, he looked good initially. The kicks to the body, I was loving that. But it was all over for Kamaka. Um, basically, I I'm probably speaking out of turn here, but the pace, great. No adjustment though. He could see things changing up, but wasn't actually adapting to it. He's yes. good. He's good at coming forward. He's good at aggression. He's good at um, being tenacious, which is brilliant. But mm-hmm. I think he's got to work on um, adapting mid-fight. Yeah, adapting to adversity. Like when yeah. somebody throws the kitchen sink at you and starts mixing things up, how do you, in a fight, make the the adjustments that are needed to win? Yeah. Now, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, what do you do? Because now your coach is in the corner yelling at you, but they're not out here. They can't stop the training and fix things. What do you do on your own? Mm-hmm. And I could definitely see that with Kai. Like offensively coming forward, he's great. But what happens when you need to make those adjustments? And yeah. Jonathan Pierce was just a bit sharper and knew to make those adjustments against his opponent and did just that. Like he dirtied things up a bit, you know, mm. With, mm. The, with the with the body kicks and just kind of mixing things up and knowing to use his strength advantage, which he had. He outmuscled him here. But like you said, I still want to watch another Kai Kamaka f- fight and also Jonathan Pierce. I want to see him, you know, with some other opponents that are just as strong as him, too, and that will mix things up. It's a fun fight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking of fun fights, again, see, that's what I was asking you about mm-hmm. the whole um, MMA Twitter and their kind of like synopsis um, and um, basically looking at the whole package in the cold light of day uh, what they thought because for me Ashley Evan Smith and Norma Dumont I loved the fight I thought it was incredible I really loved it I also loved, loved the fact that I was kind of like reminded of Ashley Evan Smith's uh, transgressions where you know she as, as we both know um, stole well this is what it looked like yeah. stole um, yeah um the basket that um they thought accompanied the dresser that they'd been invited to pick up for free now that whole story and that whole and it literally quote-unquote story um was a bit of a distraction because instead of just putting their hands up and saying you know what it's tough out here being a fighter i took advantage of a situation and i'm sorry no she dug down she dug deep oh well um we thought that the uh, basket actually came with the dresser and we thought that was for us so why when you gave back said basket (laughs) were things missing from the basket 
Right. <laughs> and you're on camera. Ain't shit you can say. You caught um, dead ass red handed. Like yeah. enough. You and your boyfriend went out there like some homeless couple and stole some shit off people's porches. And mm. that was it. You got caught red handed. And it was gross because it was during a pandemic. And it was at a time when people really needed those things. We were not yeah. even mass we were not even mass producing these items yet. We had just figured out that, oh shit, we need more. Here come Ashley stealing. No, honey, <laughs> like the people in the hospital need that, not you. Okay. Mm. Do you, you watch? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you watch The Boys on Amazon? No, I've heard only good things about it, though. Should y- I? You need to watch it because mm. I know you shouldn't really take sides based on aesthetics, but the fact that she had her head shaven uh, to one side, it did remind me of one of the main villains, like a Nazi <laughs> villain oh, no. from um, The Boys, Stormfront. <laughs> That's what she reminded me of. And, you know, I, I wasn't uh, displeased to see Ashley get her ass and hand it to her because I, I love the fact that it went to a decision because I, I wanted to see this, you know, go all three rounds because I just think that, you know, the combination heavy performance of Dumont was a pleasure to watch. I loved the way that she was mixing yeah, things like up. It too. wasn't just one punch. It was literally a barrage of combinations. Loved it. How about you? I loved her performance. And this is what I was talking about earlier. She's so muscular and stuff. And I hate to go down this like Joe Rogan muscular cardio theory. But I, I beg to wonder because that's just like, I wonder why she doesn't put her foot on the gas pedal a little more. And I wonder if she was struggling with not burning herself out. And mm. she does have a muscular frame. But regardless of whatever she was trying to do, whether she was not trying to blow her load or whatnot, she still dominated and somewhat put on a clinic, if you ask me. Ashley had nothing for her and although she tried Norma was just shutting her down in every facet of the fight whether it was standing whether it was takedowns whether it was on the ground she was just the complete winner in every way shape form this fight went and I enjoyed it and not for nothing we still remember Ashley from her you know piss poor behavior so it was kind of fun to see her get beat up you know (laughs) a little bit I'm glad it wasn't just me no, there's a little story behind this, and we did drag them terribly, and then we forgot about it. Now, boom, here she's fighting again. Mm-hmm. So it was nice that Norma beat us, beat her up for all of us, which was cool. And also, too, like you were like talking about this this um, shaved head. Me and the ladies on Twitter were wondering why she had those eyelashes on for a fight. And first of all, they're too damn big, <laughs> bigger than my fucking apartment. And what do you need those lashes for in the middle of a fight? Like, mm-hmm. what's with the goth look? Go out there and try to win the fight. It was weren't weren't you know with her performance but i don't know you know they need a lot of filler fighters so we can see ashley in there again and we're definitely going to see norma fight again i liked her performance and hope yeah. to see it again soon yeah what did you make of spike carlisle versus bill algio man i'm, I'm a bill algio fan man after he really fought, um yeah after he fought ricardo lamas and and gave ricardo lamas that that beautiful fight even though ricardo won bill mm. gave it to him man he he put up a good fight he's a he, i like the way he scraps he's smart and big up to spike for trying to muddy this up like you could tell he tried to make this dirty and he fought yeah. in typical spike fashion he went out there changes stances he mixes things up he makes things dirty stays in your face but he should work on his cardio a little bit because Bill was able to weather the storm and just kind of pick him apart and be the better striker and, and then just start to open up a bit. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. I liked I, his performance. I hear you, but why I was exclaiming when you said that Bill Algio was, uh, you, you like this kid? Because mm-hmm. for me, he's an up. 
He is an enemy. Brendan Loftane still can't get a fight, but yet Bill Algio has fought twice since they fought. And remember, Bill Algio lost to Brendan Loftane. Oh, yes. That was that. Oh, that's why you got a chip on your shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was a good fight, too. I I also find that for me, again, rein me in because you're right. I do have a chip on my shoulder for Bill Algio. Mm-hmm. Um, Spike Carlisle screaming unprovoked. Was I feel one of the most entertaining aspects of this fight? I, I don't like Bill Algio's style. He fights. I really do feel he fights to get the decision. He doesn't no. fight to win. I think he does both. I think he goes in there and he tries. Like, he tried to, to beat up Ricardo Lamas. Like, I remember that fight. It resonates mm. with me. But when but when he can't put you away, he does what he's supposed to do. He mixes things up. He, he you know, he becomes like a, he's not just a striker. Like, he's, he was good in the clinch last night. He was getting out of the clinch with Spike and whatnot. I don't know. I feel like he just does what he has to do. But I don't think his intention is to win by points. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a fighter right now who who blatantly fights like that. I can't think of one at the top of my head, but I don't think that's Bill's style. And two, Spike threw a lot at him last night. Like he tried to outmuscle him. He tried to be, you know, like that psychotic, unpredictable fighter that Spike is. And Bill had to deal with that. I don't think mm-hmm. he was trying to win off of points, but I don't know. I like Spike's style, too. If he worked on his cardio, he could be a better force to reckon with. Like, if he could just maintain that pressure and that hmm. mixing it up um, the whole fight, I think he could uh, do a lot better than what he did with Bill. But I don't have that chip on my shoulder, Mike. <laughs> this shit sound personal, my man. Like, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, just, just a tad. Next up. Josh Parisian and Parker Porter. Now, given that these big lumps were heavyweights, <laughs> given that, you know, I, I, I really did feel just, just looking at the vibe of this fight in terms of the way that they walked out, the venom that they kind of like, you know, uh, well, the initial foray um, that they were exchanging, I thought this was going to be over quick. I mean, the pace, that was it. The pace is what got me. For heavyweights, the pace was quick. But I was surprised it went to a decision. I was a little bit disappointed. And, you know, ultimately looking back on this, this was one of the ones which um, I could have made some coffee during this fight, to be honest with you. Man, this is like, the fights like this is like, why aren't we talking about scraping the fucking heavyweight division more than the flyweight <laughs> division? Like... Every time there's a heavyweight bout on the main card and it's not like Stipe or somebody that we know is going to bring the thunder, I just get like nervous. Like I get nauseous. Like here Mm. comes the time to like make lemon water and make coffee time. You know what I mean? Like now when heavyweights fight and it's, it's people I'm not familiar with, it's time to make a snack and not really pay attention. But what I did notice with this fight was that kudos to them, though. They had like high output for um, heavyweights. Heavyweights, yeah. There was a lot of strikes thrown in this fight. And even though it wasn't a pretty fight and it was sloppy, kudos to them for just putting it all out there, which I did like. And I was like, what a valiant effort. However, I don't really care about these dudes. It's not like um, <laughs> like um, um, the Spanish fighter, Espanola. Espinona, or I'm saying his name wrong. Like, he is somebody that I have my eye on. Chris Dawkins. You know, even though these guys that I'm naming are not going to fight for a title, I perk up when I hear their names. Or, yeah. or Romanov, Alexander Romanov, right? Yeah. That's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you hear these names, 
you're not thinking, ooh, when do they fight Stipe? But you're like, fuck that. I'm watching this fight. This guy's mm. nuts. Mm. I don't get that from Josh Parisian and Parker Porter. You Same. know, so I'm not. Uh, good fight, good output. I like the effort, but I don't care. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Miguel Baeza and Takashi Sato. Yep. And again, thank you. This is another one which I, I, I started to um, hone in on because of you, Takashi Sato. Um, definitely lovely to watch. But take it away. What did you think? Man, um, like you, like. Like you just said, like both of these guys are on my radar. So when the, mm. when the fight was made, I was like, "Yeah, this is going to be uh, a lot of fun." Um, it was fun, but it wasn't the barn burner that I thought it would be. But Miguel Baeza came out and did exactly what I thought he was going to do, except for the submission. I forgot this guy was a a, a black belt in jujitsu because he's he's just like knocking out all his opponents. He's winning standing. Yeah. So when I saw him go for the submission, I was like, "Wow." And then not only was I impressed with the submission win, it was a very tight arm in guillotine choke. It was textbook, methodical, and beautiful. And I was like, yo, this guy's good at jujitsu. <laughs> and I, you know, shout out to Sato for trying to mix things up. He landed some good counter shots and whatnot. Yeah. But he just he was the fighter that couldn't figure out Miguel, and Miguel figured him out faster and was able to capitalize off of that, and that's what we saw. I don't know what he was being told in his corner, Takashi Sato, but it was very much of the same um, throughout the fight. Whereas, for me, Miguel Baeza was mixing it up. Yes. When his when his um, corner told him, "Look, you've got other things that you can go to. You know, you don't have to keep standing with this guy. You could take him down. I mean, you, you, the world's your oyster here, right. basically." And that's what he did. He listened to his corner, changed it up, took him down, secured that sub. Yeah, and I did notice uh, Takashi, like, when he did try to mix things up, it wasn't often. Like, he would throw an occasional, like, body kick or, like, mm. you know what I'm saying? He would throw an occasional kick. But I did notice less, not too many combinations and more pot shots. And that led me to believe that he was feeling out Miguel longer, way longer than Miguel had to for that feeling out process. Like, Takashi just seemed hesitant. I was waiting for combinations. I was waiting for more. But he was content with just like one shot, one counter. And I was like, mm, I wonder what's keeping him from, you know, coming forward and throwing more shots and counters. But Miguel just kind of took over and we saw what happened. And this is a prospect we got to keep our eyes on. Um, this guy... I think he's gonna he's gonna show us a lot more in his career. Dana White, I just saw in a tweet is calling him like the Puerto Rican, you know, like uh, you know Puerto Rican fighter. Like he can make a name off this guy. Like he's yeah, feeling yeah. he's feeling the Puerto Rican in him, you know, and and that he's an exciting fighter. So that's something we need to pay attention to him as he develops. Hmm. Main event: Anthony Smith versus Devin Clark. Now. Let's just call this what it was. He was supposed to win. He was brought on, Devin Clark, as the lamb, the sacrificial lamb to get Anthony Absolutely. Smith's confidence back. Now, I'm glad that he has his confidence back. I've got a lot of time for Anthony Smith, but um, I, I was already in his corner because he was walking out to Biggie, Biggie's out or the Notorious B.I.G.'s ready to die. And um, <laughs> that first round triangle choke, I have to say, wasn't a surprise. Am I out of pocket for saying this? Because I noticed on the broadcast as well, they talked about him getting his confidence back. And it's kind of like, seemed to be like a, a widely accepted fact that Anthony Smith was actually gifted this opponent. Oh, 
absolutely he was gifted this opponent. I mean, did you see anybody pick Devin Clark? Mm. Like, from other podcasts to MMA Twitter to me and you to everybody, I didn't see one person be like, yo, I think Devin Clark gets it done. You know what I'm saying? Like, the only person that thought Devin Clark was going to get it done was him and his team, and I'm not even being a dickhead. Like, yes, this is a fastball down the middle, and that's why you saw Anthony Smith sub him in the first fucking round so quickly. Why? Because Devin Clark has the athleticism. He has the wrestling and he has the power, but he's somebody that just hasn't put it all together yet. He wins most of the time by decision. Mm. He lands some power shots. Yeah, he's, he can be exciting, but he's not there yet. And the Anthony Smith, even past his prime, can beat Devin Clark. Like, I don't care that he had his teeth knocked out a couple fights ago or that he's even past his prime or, or, or not really in title contention, but Anthony Smith is better than Devin Clark, he's and he's also the better Brazilian practitioner. You can put Anthony Smith on his bottom all you like as a wrestler, but can you control him? Probably not. And can he throw up triangles and be a threat off his back? Yes, and that's what we saw. And Devin Clark, I feel bad for him, Mike. He was excited for his first main event. This was his opportunity. Yeah. Secondly, he uh, devoted this fight to someone that had just passed away in his family, his mother-in-law. So he had that emotional push and that family support. And then he went out there. To me, he was a bit too excited and didn't respect the game of Anthony Smith. I understand he had all that juice in him and he was excited, not juice peds, but like the support, you know. And then he had someone pass away and he was excited and he was trying to build off of that momentum but I still think he should have slowed it down picked his shots and waited to use his power to run at Anthony Smith like that with that haymaker and then just try to take him down abruptly was not a good plan nah but kudos to Anthony I love the comeback and Mike if you listen to his post fight speech I love to hear fighters talk like this they were like what's next for you because you know we all know his you know he was on a title run he didn't quite do too well against John Jones, but he did he did fight well to get to, to John Jones. However, in the post-fight speech, my man was like, I just want to just fight. I just want to have fun and see yeah. where it gets me. And I find that people like him at that in that his point of his career can be dangerous when they're like, I just want to have fun. That's a dangerous man. So I was happy to hear him say that instead of just saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to go fight John or whoever. You know, he wants to take his time and see where it gets him. And I'm down. Mm-hmm. what'd you think well put it this way um i like that he's back i like that his confidence is back but i get worried when i hear about fighters who need that puff who need that support who need that confidence building i hope that he's also being supported by a sports psychologist because what i'm reading here between the lines that he does need that emotional support that psychological support so I hope that um, he does get that in between now and the next time. And I hope next time that we do see someone um, who is a little bit more worthy in terms of calibre, who is a little bit more worthy in terms of skill set that Anthony Smith can actually face. Yeah, I, I think he needed that boost. And not for nothing, he's in good with the UFC. He broadcasts. He's a great guy. I'm sure he's they a company you know, they guy. Hooked him. He's a company guy. And look, mm. and look what happened when... Um, when they were made the main event, he had no issue fighting five rounds, even though he hadn't trained it. He had no issue, you know, being the, the, the highlight or, or, or being in the spotlight of the main event. He stepped up, he did what he had to do, and then he gives really good post-fight speeches. He speaks well, 
And he's he's a company guy. Why not give him a, a fastball down the middle? And not for nothing, Devin Clark, you know, he missed his opportunity here. You know, he, yeah. he could have taken all of that momentum if he had just slowed things down emotionally and just really thought his way. And I just think he should have had a little bit more respect for Anthony Smith. I think I think he drank the same Kool-Aid that some fans thought, like if they, you know, Anthony Smith got his teeth knocked out or that he's no longer on that title contention. It doesn't mean he sucks. You know, it doesn't mean he's a bad fighter. In fact, he's better than Devin Clark. So we still have to respect Anthony Smith, even though we watched him get his teeth knocked out, you know? Right. I hear you on that. But, you know, just before we wrap up, I just want to play you this, which happened at the UFC press conference. Now, Yair Rodriguez, as you know, um... Not a lot has been there spoken of uh, his name of late, but have a listen to this and you tell me what you think this might be. He's here, he's posting on social media that he's training full now and he's, he's totally recovered from the injury. Have we not talked publicly about that? Why not? Yeah. Huh? I don't think he's going to fight soon. Okay. Is he hurt? No. Is it, does it have to be so mysterious? Like, what's... We didn't announce it. I don't know why we didn't, but, yeah. I don't know what the deal is. It's, not, it's actually none of my business what's going on there. So, when it comes out, it'll come out. This is now Hunter's business, or...? No. It's, it's none of our business. None of the UFC's business. So, when they figure it out, they'll let us know. So, he declined the offer to fight. Did he? No. No? That would be my business. Any other questions? Good night. Thank you. Now, isn't that really weird? Now, that was the conclusion of the press conference, obviously following uh, Devin Clark versus Anthony Smith. Um, their UFC fight night. Now, I've been racking my brains. I can't, for the life of me, figure out what he's talking about. It's just the cryptic way in which he was answering. And, you know, obviously, because this is audio, um, you wouldn't get the nuances as well. But there was lots of kind of like shifty eye movements and like looking around the room and scratching his head. And it made me think, what is going on here? What is up with the UFC and Yair Rodriguez? Uh, I'm with. It's none of my business, right? And then, oh, but that then that would be my business. And then one, yeah. Th- <laughs> what? Listen, it sounds like we need to just sit tight and wait for whatever business this is, <laughs> and we fit in a cluck about it on MMA Twitter and also on this podcast. It just sounds like something that is a little out of the ordinary is going on. Whether something is going mm. on legally or professionally or privately with Yair Rodriguez. But apparently something that has nothing to do with Dana is why Yair Rodriguez is not fighting and, and whatnot. So we shall see. I don't know. I've, I, um, I, I saw some stuff online. People are thinking peds, you know, because, you know, USADA has to announce that, not the UFC. No, but then that would be his business because yeah, but that he would can't mean announce that. It, uh, I believe USADA right. has to announce it first, but don't hold this is all right. Right? Isn't this is speculation on my part? But I do think that USADA mm. makes that announcement, and then the UFC goes from there. That's what made me think Peds because Dana kept being like, "That ain't my business. Like I can't say it." 
but I could be wrong. It's all speculation. Who knows? It could be something legal, something going on with yeah, but something we about to find out though, Mike. I'll tell you that mm, much. Mm. <laughs> I don't know because he then said, mm-hmm. if you like can recall the quick bit of audio then he said something along the lines of um, I don't know why we haven't announced that yet Yeah, have we announced that yet it's almost as though Dana wasn't up to speed on chronology and right. what actually was in process and also now, they don't is, have a good rapport maybe he doesn't give a fuck I don't think him and nah. Yair have a good rapport ever since Yair turned mm. out Zabit and then fucking Dana cut him like oh you want to turn down a fight Get the fuck out yeah. of the organization. Their, their relationship has been a bit rocky. So maybe he just doesn't give a fuck what it is. And it was like, oh, we haven't announced that yet? Fuck him. You, you never know, you know? <laughs> well, no doubt it will be unfolding. The full mm-hmm. um, revelation will be unfolding in the coming days. And we'll discuss it more than likely on the next Shots Fired. Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Wocast. And we will be back, as I just mentioned, Midweek with okay, Chisanga me, uh, and Kairos for shots fired. Until then, Lee. make some trouble.